Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Good morning, church. Isn't it good to know that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ? Amen. Powerful, powerful, powerful blessing. Uh, and, you know, that means, you know, in the midst of, you know, our mistakes and the things that we do wrong, if you receive Christ as your Savior, there is nothing that can separate you from his love. And I was sharing in the morning service, I had a vivid example of that early on in my Christian walk. Uh, I think I shared with you how I received Christ on the streets of Philadelphia. A young man witnessed to me, shared the gospel with me, and I gave my life to Christ on the uh, library steps on the streets of Philadelphia. And I never saw that young man again. He wrote me two letters, and I never wrote him back. I feel bad about that, but I never wrote him back. Um, but the Lord used him in a mighty way, and uh, you, that just goes to show you, you never know what impact you can have when you share the gospel with others. So you need to be faithful in sharing the gospel. Um, so fast forward about a year later, and you know, I was a new Christian, 22 years old, new Christian, and, and excited about you know, being a Christian. And so if you've ever been in that state, you know, I wanted to tell everyone that I was a Christian. And I remember I was in New York City um, getting ready to get on the subway, and there were two men who had a, a stand with some Christian literature, some Christian paraphernalia. And so me being excited about my walk with the Lord, I stopped and talked to them because I wanted to share with them, you know, that I was a Christian and kind of see what they had. And so I stopped and talked with them, and they started, you know, asking me some questions, and we talked for a little while. And then one of the guys says, you're not saved. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he said, you're not saved. He said, I can tell by, you know, the things that you said, and I guess by the way I carried myself, and I was, you know, you babe in Christ, and I was definitely worldly, but I guess he saw something, he says, you're not saved. And this guy just lit into me. I mean, he just lit into me and, you know, wouldn't stop for a couple of minutes. The other guy was like, you know, take it easy on him. You know, you, you don't know for sure, but he's like, you are not saved. And I was devastated. I mean, I was, was devastated. And so, you know, these were 40, 50-year-olds and, you know, seemingly seasoned Christians. I'm a babe in Christ, and so I was devastated. And so when I eventually got home, I went into my bedroom, and I just start, you know, crying out to the Lord. You know, Lord, am I saved? You know, Lord, I want to be saved. If I'm not saved, please let me know I want to be saved. Lord, am I saved? If I'm not saved, please let me know. And I was just crying out to the Lord. And I remember I was laying, kneeling at my bedside, and when I opened my eyes, I was just hoping to see a big cross on the wall somewhere, just like that cross. I was just hoping to see a big cross on the wall, give me a sign that I was saved. Nothing, nothing. So I was like, man, so, you know, for a week or two, I'm just kind of struggling, wondering or not whether I'm saved or not. But then I was, it was towards the end of the summer, and I was getting ready to move back, to go back to school. I had a studio apartment, I was getting ready to go back in school. And as I was packing my things, I used to keep all my things in this big trunk. And I opened up that trunk. When I opened up that trunk, there were two letters which the guy who first witnessed to me actually sent to me. And there were, those two letters were in there. And so I'd forgotten all about it. It had been a year or more. So I opened up one of the letters. And as I opened up the letters, right towards the middle of the letter, it says, Yes, you are saved as I witnessed it on August the 7th. Isn't God an awesome guy? <laughs> There was no, I hadn't shared that with anyone, at least not that I remember, I hadn't shared that with anyone. No one knew the conversation I had in New York. No one knew the prayers that I had. But yet in black and white, yes, you are saved as I witnessed it on August the 7th. He's an awesome God, isn't he? 
awesome God. And, and think about where I was at that particular moment in time. From at least from this guy's perspective, the guy who was told me I wasn't saved, I didn't look like I was saved. I was still worldly and in many ways falling short. But yet, you know, in the midst of that all, God did not give up on me. God still loved me. And the same thing is true for you as well. We're not, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We may not always do what, we, what the Lord would have us to do. But if you are truly sincere and if you have truly received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Nothing. Nothing. And that's some of what we want to talk about today. So today, let's go to the book of Exodus. I know you didn't expect that book, but let's go to the book of Exodus. The first chapter, we're going to look at the last verse in that first chapter and then look at the first 10 verses in the second chapter. So Exodus 1.22 through Exodus 2.10. Exodus 1.22 through Exodus 2.10. And it reads as follows. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying... Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, and, and daubed it, or smeared it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags or the reeds by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit or to know what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, it's again, Lord, we come to you as humble as we know how, Lord. Just thank you, Lord, for this blessed opportunity, Lord, as we prepare to share thy holy and thy most precious word, Lord. The Apostle Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth. So, Lord, truly, I just thank you, Lord, for this blessed opportunity to share the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we recognize that we cannot do this on our own. For as, as our Lord Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So, Lord Jesus, we realize without you, we can do nothing. But as the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So, Lord, as I stand here this morning, it's once again, Lord, that I ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit upon me, Lord. And I ask and pray that the words that come forth from out of my mouth, Lord, that they would not be mine, Lord, but I ask and pray that they might be yours. For we are not here for form or fashion, Lord. We are not here to glorify ourselves, but we are here simply to lift up your name, Lord, the wonderful, awesome, magnificent, glorious, and just precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. So I ask right now, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen me, Lord, that you would use me. 
and help me to lift up your name. In Jesus Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen. Our message for this morning is entitled, Love Lifted Me. Love Lifted Me. Now Moses' experience as a baby is a story that's familiar to many of us. For in our text, Pharaoh had ordered to all the newly born Jewish boys to be killed by throwing them into the Nile River. And the reason why Pharaoh did this was he was afraid that the Israelites might one day grow up into a great nation that would overthrow the Egyptians. However, we see Pharaoh's plan backfired with Moses. For three months after Moses was born and he could no longer be hidden by his parents, his mother placed him in an ark and set him in the river. And then while his older sister Miriam was watching, Pharaoh's daughter came to wash herself and she saw the ark and she actually opened it. And our text says when she opened it, baby Moses cried and therefore she had compassion on him and eventually kept him. Now when Moses' sister Miriam saw this, she immediately went to Pharaoh's daughter and asked her if she wanted one of the Hebrew midwives to raise and to nurse the baby, which Pharaoh's daughter agreed to. And we know that the one who ended up doing this ended up being Moses' own mother. Thus, we can see how God was watching over Moses' life from the very beginning. This is why Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Because just as with Moses, in the same way, God is also always watching over us. However, What many people don't realize is that the experience that Moses went through as a baby is also a picture of what happens to us when we are saved. For we were also sentenced to death, and we could not save ourselves. For we we were as helpless as babies, and there was absolutely nothing that we could do to save ourselves. But then our ark of salvation, Jesus Christ, saved us by lifting us up out of our river of death and giving us eternal life. As our Lord Jesus said in John 3, 15, whosoever believeth in them should not perish, but have eternal life. Therefore, just like baby Moses, Jesus Christ will also save us up out of our river of death if we by faith give our lives to him. And that's why we should always give thanks to the Lord. For church, we need to realize that God's love lifted me. Now, as we've already mentioned, when we take a closer look at the life of baby Moses, Believe it or not, we also see a picture of our salvation. So today, let's take a closer look and see what we can learn from Moses' experience as a baby. First, let's go to Exodus 1.22 again, and we're going to look at the first part of that verse. Exodus 1.22. And there it reads, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river. And I want to stop right there. Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river. So the first thing we see is that we were all sentenced to die. We were all sentenced to die. Now, as we've already mentioned, Pharaoh declared that all the newly born Hebrew male children were to be thrown into the Nile River to die. For previously, he had already told the Hebrew midwives who helped to deliver the Israelite children, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. And believe it or not, Pharaoh's decree is representative of the death sentence that's been placed upon all of us. For whether we realize it or not, when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, all of mankind was placed under a death sentence. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore is by one man, talking about Adam, Wherefore is by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, 
so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And that lets us know that none of us deserve to be saved. None of us deserve to go to heaven. None of us deserve God's blessings. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Ezekiel 18, 20, it says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And the death that God is referring to is not just physical death, but it's also spiritual death or eternal separation from God in hell. Now, that's difficult for many people in the world to accept. For the world thinks, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? How could a loving God sentence anyone to die for all eternity? How could a loving God not forgive me for the wrong that I have done? But the world doesn't realize that God's wrath is as real as his love. God's holiness is as real as his forgiveness. God's justice is as real as his mercy. And this is why God cannot ignore sin because sin cannot dwell in his presence. And the word of God says that death is the only acceptable payment for sin. However, the good news is that Jesus Christ paid the death penalty for us. And if we give our lives to him, we will have eternal life. John 3, 36 says that he that hath the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. We don't like to discuss that in today's days and times, but we cannot ignore God's wrath. For God's wrath is his hatred against all sin. God's wrath is his punishment against all wrong. God's wrath is his anger against all rebellion. In this Laodicean church age, we like to think as long as we look good, smell good, act good, do good, we must be pleasing God. Some people think as long as they enter into the church walls once a week, we must be doing God's work and we're somehow guaranteed a spot in heaven. But that's the same mistake that the church at Laodicea made. For they didn't realize because of God's wrath and because of God's righteousness, all of mankind is under a death sentence because of our sin. Therefore, either we must die or a perfect sinless sacrifice must die for us. And today, unfortunately, even in many of our churches, some people are being deceived and still don't realize this. For many churches today are in the same condition as the church at Laodicea described in the third chapter of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, for those who aren't familiar with that church, let's go to the revelation of Jesus Christ, last book of the Bible, third chapter, and we're going to look at verses 14 through the first part of 18. Revelation of Jesus Christ, third chapter, look at verses 14 through the first part of verse 18. And there it reads, And unto the angel, or unto the messenger of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would or wish that thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee. And that means to vomit thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment or clothing, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And we're going to stop right there. Now that church at Laodicea is, would be in today what's known as modern-day Turkey. 
And at that particular time, Laodicea was a place of great commerce or trade where many fine clothes were manufactured, bought, and sold. Just as New York City, London, or Paris might be considered the fashion capitals of the world today, Laodicea was like that in the time in which John wrote. But what the Word of God says, despite all of their fine clothes, and they were well known for their fine clothes, despite all of their fine clothes, Christ said that spiritually they were naked. And they need to be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Again, verse 18, it says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment or clothing, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And sad to say that you know that's also true in many of our churches today. For some people go through the motions. Some people pretend that they're serving the Lord, but they do not realize in the eyesight of God They are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Verses 15 and 16, our Lord said, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would or wish that thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee or vomit thee out of my mouth. You see, the Laodicean church was a lukewarm church, a church of compromise who thought they were pleasing God, but our text says they were actually sickening to him. And sad to say, unfortunately, did you know that's a description of some churches in the world today? For did you know we can have all kinds of organizations, all kinds of programs, all kinds of fundraisers, all kinds of anniversaries, all kinds of activities, and all kinds of committees, and still not know Jesus Christ? For some people get all dressed up and play church, but our hearts are far, far, far from God because we have never truly submitted ourselves to Jesus Christ. And that's why instead of focusing on looking good on the outside, we need to make sure that we've been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. For God's righteousness is holy. God's righteousness is pure. God's righteousness is perfect. And God's righteousness is the only way to satisfy God. Sometimes we forget that it says in Hebrews 12, 29, that our God is a consuming fire. Sometimes we forget what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Sometimes we forget what our Lord Jesus said in the 12th chapter of Luke. He said, be not afraid of them which kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do, but I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Just like baby Moses, we must realize that we all have been sentenced to die. And the only way that we can be saved is we must accept God's gift, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's something we must never forget for the only reason we are here today and the only way we can be saved is because of what God has done for us. And we must never forget that we have been sentenced to die, but we need help. And that's why we should thank God that God's love lifted me. Amen? We first need to recognize our own spiritual state. And our spiritual state is we all have been sentenced to die. And therefore, we need help. All right, now let's go to Exodus, the second chapter, and let's look at verses three through six. Exodus, the second chapter again, and let's look at verses three through six. And there it reads, 
And when, she could, and when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it or smeared it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the reeds by the river's brink. And her sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. So the first thing we saw is that we've all been sentenced to die. The second thing we see is that God sent a Savior. God sent a Savior. Now by faith, Moses' parents placed their baby son in an ark, for they knew that that was the only way in which he could be saved. They didn't know how God would do it, but because of their faith, They knew somehow, some way, Moses would be saved. Hebrews 11.23 says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. That means a good child. Good child in the eyesight of God, according to Acts 7.20. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. What did you know? In the same way we are saved, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. We don't know exactly how God does it, But somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit gives us a brand new heart and creates a new man within us. This birth, new birth, is not a change of the old nature, but it's a brand new creation obtained by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Lord Jesus explained it to Nicodemus in the third chapter of John. So let's go to the third chapter of John and look at the first eight verses there. And these are the exact same verses, the same verses that were used when I received Christ as my Savior on the streets of Philadelphia. John, the third chapter, the first eight verses. And here our Lord Jesus explains to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And there it reads, beginning at the first verse, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. In other words, what our Lord Jesus told Nicodemus was, the only way in which he could be saved was, ye must be born again. And believe it or not, that's the same thing we learn in this story in our text for today. For just as baby Moses could not save himself, but someone had to lift him up out of the water, in the same way we cannot save ourselves, but God himself has to lift us up out of our river of death. Doesn't matter how gifted we are. Doesn't matter how nice you are. Doesn't matter how kind we are. Doesn't matter how religious you are. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And church, this is why we are in need of a Savior. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. 
And this lets us know that Jesus Christ is the only way. And this can also be seen if we take a closer look at the ark in which baby Moses was preserved in. For if you take a closer look at Moses' ark, and it's an ark, the Hebrew word is teva, and teva is actually ark. And the only place in which that word is used is with Moses' ark and with Noah's ark. And I don't believe that's a coincidence. For this is the, the miraculous, I believe, the miraculous salvation that baby Moses and Noah found in both of those arks in the same way points to the miraculous, miraculous salvation that we find in Jesus Christ. This, and this is why we need to trust in that ark. So let's take a closer look at this ark in which baby Moses was preserved in. First, the ark was safe and secure, for it was covered with pitch or a tire-like substance to make it watertight. No water could get in that ark. Well, in the same way, our salvation in Jesus Christ is watertight. It's safe and secure from the power of death, and there is absolutely nothing that can take our salvation away. John 10, 28, Jesus said, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. The Hebrew word for atonement or covering can also mean to cover with pitch, where our pitch is the blood of Jesus Christ. For we have been atoned, we have been covered, we are made safe and secure through his blood. Ephesians 1, 7 says, We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And then the ark was the only place of safety for baby Moses. Think about it. He could not stay with his parents. He could not stay with his sister. There was nowhere else he could go, but the ark was the only place where he could be safe. Well, did you know in the same way, the only place where we can be safe is if we place our faith in our ark of safety, Jesus Christ. This is why John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And church, that's the difference between Christianity and many other teachings in this world. Islam, Mormonism, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Buddhism, Hinduism, Roman Catholicism, Freemasonry, they all teach that you're saved by the works, by the things that you do, by being good people, that Jesus Christ alone is not enough. But that is not what the Word of God says. Amen? That is not what the Word of God says. Galatians 2.16. We know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. You're not, you're not made righteous by keeping the law, by doing good deeds, good works. Not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. We must realize that we cannot save ourselves, but God himself had to come down to save mankind. And therefore, the only way we can be saved is through by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's why you've heard me say many times, and I'll say it over and over again, going to church won't save you. Getting baptized won't save you. Being a good person won't save you. Preaching behind the pulpit won't save you. Singing in the choir won't save you. Being an usher won't save you. But the only way you can be saved is you must receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt 
be saved. Saved from hell, saved from death, saved from sin, saved from Satan. If you want to be saved, you must by faith receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For then God's love lifted me. Amen? Amen. God's love lifted me. All right, last but not least, let's go to Exodus 2.10. Exodus 2.10. All right. Exodus 2.10. All right. And there it reads, And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. So the first thing we saw is that we all have been sentenced to die. Just as baby Moses was sentenced to death by being, he should have been thrown into the Nile River to die. In the same way, all of mankind has been sentenced to death. But the second thing we see is that God sent a savior. So just as baby Moses was placed into that ark and the ark was the only place in which he could be saved, in the same way, the only place in which we can be saved is if we place our faith in our ark of safety, our place of protection, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But now the third thing we see and the last thing we're going to take a look at is that God always takes care of his children. Amen? God always takes care of his children. Now, after baby Moses was saved by Pharaoh's daughter, and then initially in his initial years, he was taken care of and provided by his own mother. Later on, we see they ended up growing up in the household of Pharaoh. And there what we see is that Moses ended up growing up in a palace. He ended up growing up in a mansion. He ended up growing up with all the material blessings that the Egyptian kingdom had to offer. Well, did you know the exact same thing is true for us? For in the same way after we are saved, God takes care of us. God provides for us. And he promises us all the spiritual blessings that his kingdom has to offer. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And this is why David said in Psalms 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Now, just like Moses, it may not always look like we're blessed. Just like Mo- Moses, it may not always feel like we're blessed because we still have our trials and tribulations that we have to go through. But we have got to realize that even in the midst of our trials and tribulations, God will still use it for his glory. He will still use it for good. And he will use it to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. James, the first chapter, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That means all kinds of trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and entire. That means perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You remember the story of Job. Despite all the suffering that Job went through, he had boils all over his body, lost his 10 children, all lost all of his possessions. But what did Job say in 23.10? He said, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You remember the story of Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. First, he was thrown into the pit to die. Ended up being in prison for a season. But yet then he became second in command to Pharaoh. He could have turned the tables against his brothers. But instead, what did he say in Genesis 50, 20? He said, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But, and don't you love that word, but, but 
God meant it unto good. And what these and other scriptures teach us is that nothing can happen to us that my God cannot work out for good. We may question some things, and there's a whole lot that I may question. We may not always have all the answers, and we may not always understand why. But the Word of God tells us that everything God does is perfect. Everything he does is wise. Everything he does is right. Everything he does is good. And everything works together for the glory of God. And how do we know that? Because the word of God tells us that. Ephesians 1.11. Ephesians 1.11 says that he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will or to the glory of God. Sadly, we are living in a day and age when too much credit is given to the devil and too much credit is given to the power of man. But we must remember that even though God has given Satan some power, my God is all-powerful. Even though man is a wonderful creation, my God is the almighty creator. Even though man has a will, he can still do absolutely nothing outside of God's permissive will. That's why I know no matter what's going on in this world, no matter what's going on in this nation, no matter what's going on in the church, no matter what's going on in our lives, My God is still in control. Do you believe that? My God is still in control. Doesn't matter if it's mass shootings, Russian war, Palestinian war, political wars, racial wars, COVID-19. Doesn't matter all that this world is going through. My God is still on the throne and my God is still in control. 1 Chronicles 29.11 Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. No matter what we see going on around us, God's purpose cannot fail God's plans will not fall, and God's will will be done. And that's why I know even the trials and tribulations that we go through, God can still work out for good. Some of them might be to help me to grow. Some of my trials might be to help me to grow. Some of them might be because of my own foolish sins. Some of them might be simply for the glory of God. But whatever the reason is, If you are a child of God, God can and will work it out for good. For church, when you go through something, oftentimes that's when we find out that my God's a delivering God. That's when we find out he's a strengthening God. That's when you find out he's an on-time God. And the 46th Psalm, it says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will we not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea? Trouble is not sent to drive us away from God, but trouble is sent to drive us to God. Therefore, what we need to remember, if we have given our lives to Jesus Christ, and that's the key thing, if you have given your lives to Jesus Christ, God will work it out for good. And when we recognize that, it helps keep all of our trials and tribulations in their proper perspective. It's easy to complain. Isn't it easy to complain? I'm guilty of it just like anybody else. It's easy to complain. It's easy to get angry. It's easy to get bitter when it doesn't seem like life is fair. 
But we must realize that God can take even the most wicked, sinful situation and still work it out. Look at the cross. Didn't he do that at the cross? The most wicked, sinful act in all of history, all of mankind, God turned that thing around and worked it for good. And my God will do the exact same thing in our lives if you are a child of God. That's why I know it doesn't matter what the situation is, doesn't matter what the circumstance, doesn't matter what the problem, doesn't matter what the difficulty. In the end, the child of God will be blessed and we will overcome. David said in Psalms 34, 19, many, look at at that verse, many, you ever feel like that sometimes? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. And what's the key word we see there again? But, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Think about Moses. Think about the life of Moses. Moses wasn't perfect. Moses made some mistakes. Moses even killed a man. But that didn't stop the Lord from blessing him. And in the same way, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have a 100% guarantee that the child of God will be blessed. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In the book of Joshua. When Joshua and the Israelites reached the promised land, there were still plenty of battles ahead. But the Lord also told them that it wouldn't last forever. Joshua 3.10, he says, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgazites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. If you look at that, that's seven enemies. Seven is the number of completion. Therefore, what God was letting the Israelites know was that the time would come when he would completely destroy all of their enemies. Well, church, in the same way, just like Israel, even though the Christian has crossed that Jordan River of death, and even though, in a sense, we've reached a Canaan land, in other words, we've been born again and we've been given eternal life until Christ comes back, we're still fighting against the Canaanites the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgazites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. In other words, as long as we're in this fleshly body, and as long as we're in this sinful world, there's going to still be fights against Satan, there's still going to be fights against sin, and there's still going to be some battles on our hands. But just as God promised Israel, he also promised us that one day it's all going to end. For one day, church, Satan will fall. One day, church, sickness will fall. One day, church, sin will fall. One day, church, all of our trials and tribulations will fall. And it's not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. How do we know that? Look at God's word. Just look at God's word. We know that Satan will soon have no power. Revelation 20.10 says, And the devil that deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night, even forever and ever. We know that sin will have no power. Romans 6, 2 says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We know we can have peace in the midst of the storm. Isaiah 26, 3 says, thou will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. 
We know that suffering can't keep us down. Romans 8.18 says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. We know God is our protection. 118 Psalms says, God is on my side. I shall not fear. What can man do unto me? We know tribulations won't stop us. Jesus said in John 16, in the world, he shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We know God will fight for us. Second Chronicles says, the battle is not yours, but God's. And we know we're always victorious. Romans 8, 31 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And church, it's all because of the love of God. For I don't know about you, church, but just like baby Moses, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters, church, he lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me, church, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Oh, I I almost started running. (laughs) Love lifted me. That's why we should always thank the Lord, church, for God's love lifted me. Amen? Amen. 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 All right, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that your love lifted us, Lord. We are not worthy. We are not deserving of all the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us, Lord. But yet you saw fit in your grace and your mercy and your love to lift us up out of our river of death. And Lord, for that, we are truly eternally grateful, Lord. There may be someone who does not know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and they are right now sinking in that river of death. But I pray that right now, Lord, that they will come to know that you have sent a Savior. You have sent your Son, Jesus Christ. And all you ask is that, you by, that we, by faith, just lift up our hands and grab hold to you, and you will lift us up out of our river of death and give us eternal life. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray that if someone doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that even now they might come crying out and say, what must I do to be saved? And prayerfully, they will come to realize that neither is there salvation in any other, no other name under heaven but the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.